Last week, we turned to Paul's letter to the Thessalonians and Thessalonians. And today we continue with just one part of a verse that leads off as a jumping point to still more scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. You are witnesses. That's enough for now. Please be seated. Five hundred and three years ago, on the eve of All Saints Day, you know, that's the 31st of October, something happened, an everyday occurrence, something that was not noticed that much, but something that was very important in Wittenberg, Germany. There was a man, it was a hammer, nails, and some paper. And he went to the church door and he nailed it there on what was then the bulletin board of the church. And as uneventful as that was at that moment, his action triggered worldwide change, especially in the Christian church. It became an earth-shaking beginning of a movement that the world has referred to as the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation of the Christian church. All of Christianity has benefited from Martin Luther's 95 theses, his statements. And the events that followed all of that, that was considered to be the the cannon that shot and began a worldwide movement. And nobody, nobody, especially us Christians, will have ever been the same because of it. Why? Because abuses of the church were pointed out, for one thing. They were brought to light, they were challenged, and they were corrected. The Word of God was brought into focus clearly, as Pastor Sean said, about Jesus. Very much about Jesus. Doctrines, teachings were challenged and refocused. We've regained the good news in its clarity about Jesus Christ. And, and maybe this doesn't come readily to mind, the Word of God has been put into our language, the language of every day, and so has our worship, not in some foreign language difficult, if not impossible to understand by some. And we have inherited a legacy of continued reformation and renewal. All of this and much, much more. Although it was desperately needed in the 1500s, I would consider this and others too a tragic necessity. A necessity to be sure, but tragic. Far from the intentions of Luther and other reformers, the church became fractured. It broke, it splintered, and even more. And many denominations resulted. Not many right away, But the church began to split outwardly as well as spiritually. And and down the road, that split turned into splinters. So that today there are literally hundreds, hundreds of Christian denominations in the Protestant wing of God's one church. And gratefully, on the other side of the coin, 
a unity has been found increasingly as that Reformation continues to this day to unfold. We see God's work. We see our unity in Jesus Christ, our sense of oneness. And it's the scriptures that guide us, that reshape us and unite us. Our confession has been heard. And the other side, we have listened. And we continue to listen. Yes, the Reformation and its truths have caught on. And it has changed things. But there's an aspect of the Reformation that's little mentioned. Something that maybe you aren't even aware of. But some have said is one of the biggest parts that split the church in those days. What am I talking about? Something that's been discovered, but perhaps never implemented as fully as it might have been. What? Here it is. That everyone is a minister. Yeah, you heard me right. Everyone is a minister. That we are, in the Bible's language, priests before God. This dawned on me through Scripture, but also through this little book. This little book that began to change a ministry for me that began to unfold. I looked at the date. I picked this up and read it. It was a long time ago. By the same name, everyone a minister. It changes people. Because the church of Jesus Christ is not all about pastors. And it's not all about organized religion. From one perspective, it's this that we are all ministers before God. Maybe you didn't know that about the Reformation or about God's word. It sounds perhaps to some at first hearing like a pastor's ploy, some way for us to get you to work too, instead of us, or perhaps along with us. Well, it's not. It's a truth of God, discovered or basically rediscovered by Luther and those who reformed the church along with him. It had its roots already in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. But clearly in what you already heard this morning in 1 Peter 2, and what you see in front of you on the screens, will you read that with me? Because it's so important. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What's that, you wonder? Me, a priest? Me, a minister? you got to be kidding. I know some of you are thinking that. You're thinking, I wouldn't look very good in a backwards collar. <laughs> and I don't even want to try one on. And at least half of you are thinking, oh, I thought the Missouri Synod is against women ministers. That's not part of who we are. Well, you heard, you read the words of Scripture, didn't you? To whom is Peter writing? Is he writing to the fellow 12 disciples? Is he writing to a select group of people, to clergy, to pastors? No, no, no. Read, understand. He's writing to Christians, all Christians 
to whom his letter is addressed. It's clear from the opening part of his letter that we didn't read, but he wrote, to you therefore who believe. Those words are for you. To those therefore who believe. That's all of you. That's all of us. You know what Luther says? It's Reformation. Got to quote him. We are all priests before God if we are Christians. All of us, every single believer. This word priest should become as common as the word Christian. Because to be a priest does not pertain to an office that is external. It is altogether an office that deals with God. All Christians are priests and all priests are Christians. Let me put it another way. Everyone is a minister. Male? Yes. Female? You bet. Young? Absolutely. And us old as well. Each one of us, every one of us, has the right to pick up God's word. And not just somebody, not just a few, but each of us has the right to pick up this word, to read it, and take it to heart. Each one of us, each one of you, can go directly to God in prayer. You don't have to depend on any person. All we have to do is lift up a prayer and depend on Jesus to take that prayer home. And each of you can take an active part in the affairs of the church of Jesus Christ, according to the gifts that he gives. We don't need a pastor or a couple of pastors to do all these things. Your baptism into Jesus Christ is the qualification to be an active part of his church. This is exactly what St. Paul was driving at too when he wrote to another congregation in Corinth and he wrote, all things are yours. All things are yours. Everyone is a minister. It's your calling. It's mine. It's all of ours. It is our primary calling. It is what Jesus calls us and what it means to be a redeemed child of his. Put, however, in the language of God or St. Peter and not in traditional terms, this is exactly a powerful, eye-opening, life-changing reality. It has a big impact. When you think of ministers, don't think, oh, we've got one of those, or two of those, or two and then sometimes a third one of those. The Bible doesn't know anything of this as being part of what Peter wrote. The church is full of ministers. Everyone's a minister. Some of you know, because I've said that out of the seminary, I was called to a two-point parish in Canada, okay? And there I learned a lot of things, culture similar, but yet significantly different. And when I see the flag flying in my mind's eye, I think of many things, including this. Someone, I don't remember who or when exactly the context, someone asked me what I do. And I said, I'm a minister. And I, I got one of those deer in the headlight looks. And then, what? And I said, I'm a minister. They said, oh, oh, you work for the government. And I said, no, 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 I don't work for the government. And I started thinking, I'm a pastor. But you see, interestingly in Canada, they don't have the secretary of defense. They have the minister of defense. They don't have a secretary of agriculture and others they have a minister of agriculture. And I love that. 
Wouldn't that fit? Minister is a servant, a servant of the people. We all are servants of Jesus Christ. The other word for priest, everyone is a minister. Now, you're tracking with me. Well, what about the office of the ministry? That's the pastor, right? Well, let's think clearly. You're going to see words in front of you, and I want you to say these words with me. Read them. The meaning by which Christ distributes to his people all the benefits of his life, death, and resurrection. That's the office of the ministry. You know, as Jesus did his work, he suffered, he died, he rose again, completed the work. And to help his disciples understand, perhaps better, maybe altogether, what it was he did and what it meant, he appeared on Easter evening, remember? He gathered those most close disciples. John chapter 20 relates it. He breathed on them and gave them the Holy Spirit. And he said this, Whosoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven. Whoever sins you don't forgive, they're not forgiven. Now, who is he speaking to? His close disciples. But does that mean he was speaking to pastors? No, those didn't even exist at that point. Was he speaking to a special group of people different than others with a special calling? No, he was speaking to those disciples who were believers. Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who just laid it all out before them. There are such things as pastors. (laughs) Gratefully, being one, I'm grateful for that. But you see, that office of a pastor has to be seen in its proper place within this doctrine of the ministry. Our responsibility comes from you. Our privilege of preaching and administering the sacraments is yours that's sent our way when you call a pastor. You say publicly you do these things. So if we have a baptism, it's not a matter who's going to raise their hand to do the baptism. Or when it comes to the Lord's table, who will consecrate the elements? You have said to your pastors, one and all, when it's public, when we are together, we give that authority to you. Pastor's authority comes out of the office of the ministry. You are not just passive pew sitters who pay and pray. <laughs> no way. All of us, every one is a minister. It's the pastor's job to lead ministry, but not to do it all. It's our privilege to be a special part of it, a unique part of it, as part of a shared ministry, one with another. And listen, I'm not just talking, nor was Martin Luther, as you read with me, not just talking about church work, things done here and on our premises. This is one of the gems of the the Reformation. Ministry is service in every aspect. This is what Luther said. The idea that service to God should have to do only with a church, altar, singing, reading, sacrifice, and the like, is without a doubt the worst trick of the devil. How could the devil have led us more effectively astray than by the narrow conception that service to God takes place only in a church and by works done therein? Yes, everyone's a minister, not just here, but through all 
of life, each and all. This is the gem often unremembered or undetected of the Reformation. This perhaps is one of the things that cut most deeply into the then known church and was a big cause, no doubt, of the split. And we are beginning, we have begun to see and continue to begin to see the effects of this all around. You are a priest. Everyone's a minister. It has to be a great priority up here and here and to make it a living truth. That's the challenge that continues. It's not just a reformation of the past and a celebration of yesterday. It's a reality to be owned, grasped, and lived out today. As Peter wrote, to declare the wonderful deeds of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And when, by God's grace, this takes hold, look out. Look out. Watch these things really reform, reshape more and more into the plan of God. Look what will happen. We all have the privilege of sharing Christ where we are. Not because this is a human strategy cooked up by some reformer or passed on by some pastor, but this is God's design. Some people might say that people in the church are satisfied to sit, to be an audience, to cheer on those who are at the head of the ministry. But I've seen differently. I believe you have seen something different as well. And I see you as involved and perhaps even more greatly involved. You're not just rooting and cheering others on. We're called to be a part of God's great plan. The hearts of believers yearn to be at God's work, to be free indeed, as today's gospel put it. My aim, God's aim, is not to produce Sunday Christians operating in a very narrow uh, kind of field. It's bringing Christ to the world. Everyone is a minister. Just think, think, that truth helped reform the church once and since, and it will continue to do the same. Remember, everyone's a minister. In Jesus and for his sake, amen.